rich son. Interesting title. As I was working this sermon up this week, one of the things I was reminded of is um, this right here. Do y'all remember mystic beverages? Mystic tea? Uh, And they had sodas that they did. They're still around, but their heyday was back in the 90s. They were big back in the 90s. And one of the things that I enjoyed is that bottle cap usually had some sort of a quirky saying or something under the bottle cap. And I always liked getting it off and looking at it. And sometimes they wrote a lot of stuff. I actually kept one of those bottle caps and having moved twice, three times since then, uh, I've lost the bottle cap. But I remember what it said. You've probably heard it somewhere. I heard it first from a mystic bottle cap. It said this. Live life in such a way that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. You do know that there is a funeral in your future. Yes? Unless the Lord returns, we will all walk through that lonesome valley of the shadow. Um, which son? There's at least two. And I got to looking, and Jesus tells quite a number of stories. Um, we call them parables. Some of them may have actually been true events. Um, but he tells a number of them where he puts two into the equation. And that's kind of normal, right? When you are looking at a way not to and a way to do. Well, as we come into Matthew 21, 28, Jesus tells a story about a man who has two sons. And he tells his two sons uh, to go out and work in his field. Well, the first one that he asked told him, I will not go. But later, he changed his mind, and he went. And he tells his second son to go, and his son said, oh, I will. But he did not go. And then Jesus turns to the chief priest, to the elders who were there that was part of the crowd, and he asked them with this question. He said, Which one did the Father's will? There's another story of two. Luke 18. There were two men who went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself or prayed to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I got. Got some good traits there, right? Fasts, gives a tenth, he gives alms. He fasted and tied. No doubt he also read 
the scripture and poured over them, looking for what God had to say. No doubt he prayed every day. In fact, multiple times a day. And he gave alms to the poor. And he even probably taught about God and the prophets by all visible rights. He was a good, moral person and a model citizens. We often think that those, those who know the most about God are the ones who are the closest to him, yes? Fred. Let me tell you about Fred. Um, full disclosure, I did not know Fred well. Truthfully, I never met him. Yet I heard about things about him from one of his children as I was growing up. Fred knew the Bible. Fred knew the Bible better than most of the preachers who would come to his house to try to visit him and talk to him over the years. You see, Fred was not a church-going man, but he did read the Bible. And one of the things that Fred took delight in was debating with the preachers about the scriptures, or more accurately, twisting up the preachers as he debated with them often quoting the word with more accuracy than the preachers, yet Fred's desire was to support his agenda. And he played fast and loose with the context. Because, you see, Fred was an atheist. Fred was an alcoholic. Fred was a wife beater. She lost her hearing due to his abuse before she divorced him with four children back in the late 1930s when that sort of thing just wasn't done. You see, Fred Evans, my grandfather, knew scripture he knew about Jesus he just did not know Jesus there is a difference isn't there between knowledge and intimacy this series that we've been doing this is not a fan thing one of the things that we are being taught but we're being reminded of that we're being reminded to take seriously is the fact that faith in God is not about knowing it's about doing if you know Christ what are you doing with him friend let me ask you this why are you here Is it because family, you know, you were raised in the church and this is just something that you, you've always done? Are you here because of your friends that this is a, a safe social outlet for you, that it's a comfortable habit? 
Or are you committed to him simply because you recognize your need for Jesus? But the tax collector stood at a distance. He could not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We can see an obvious contrast here between one and the other. Yes? The Pharisee worshiper of God and a traitorous outcast. We talked about tax collectors last week. Yet there is a deeper contrast here and it has to do with what is not seen. It has to do what is unseen. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified, acquitted before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, why would Jesus say this? Friends, following Jesus is not about what we know. It's not about good works. Good works should come out of that relationship, but it's not about that. It's about that relationship, having an intimate relationship with our Lord. Following Jesus requires that intimacy. Following Jesus is not about thinking less of ourselves, but really not thinking about ourselves at all. Following Jesus requires humility, acknowledging our sin and brokenness, and a willingness to admit that we need Jesus to take our sins away. The first the chief priest answered it was the son who said I will not but then went to work in the father's vineyard he is the one who did his father's will because you see even Pharisees can see a when obedience is turned into action. In fact, it's part of the Big Ten, isn't it? Just showed that to you. It's the next slide. It's part of the Big Ten. Honor your father and mother that your day, they may live long on the, in the land and the Lord has given you. I remember this. I think it's from the NASB, the New American Standard growing up. Um, honor your father and mother so your days may be long upon the earth. Uh, interesting thing about this, um, there's actually a threat in there if you really look at it. If you think about it, who had the right of life and death in the family? 
the Father. So you know there are times when you would read this, and I was not opposed to doing this to my own kids every now and again. You know what that says? Re, re, honor your father and mother so I don't kill you. <laughs> um, there is promise of life in this. Um, but you know, you know from your own life, you know, from raising kids, um, from scripture, that dishonoring a parent is a direct violation of God's holy law. Now, admittedly, there are parents out there that are not worthy of honor. But manners have to do do not have to do with who the other person is and have everything to do with who you are. Yes? Yes. This first son was absolutely guilty of dishonoring his father because of his defiance. And that day and time when a father asked you to do something, it was not a request. What about the second son? Is it not dishonoring to tell the father you will do something and then not do it? So according to the law, who among those two dishonored the father? The answer is both of them. When it really comes down to it. Which, to think about it, might actually be Jesus' point. Why would the priest say that the first son did what the father wanted when they both clearly dishonored the father? What was the difference between the first one saying no but going and doing it anyway? What do we see there? Isn't there some contrition, repentance, a change of mind? You see, repentance reveals itself by action. Back in Jesus' day, and it still does today. Perhaps, friend, family, Self-righteousness is the most insidious of all sin. No one who thinks that they are sin-free ever sees their ongoing need for grace. Repentant sinners are entering into the kingdom of God ahead of those of us who cannot see our own need for Jesus. The difference between the religious leaders and the repentant sinners in these stories is really comes down to just one thing. It comes down to obedience. Are you a fan or a follower? Are you going to follow Jesus? 
Jesus. Because you see, true repentance always includes obedience. God has saved us through the blood of Jesus Christ, has made us heirs to his kingdom. And he has asked us, his sons and his daughters, to go to work in his vineyard. To spread the seed of his kingdom. To cultivate it. To cause it, his kingdom, to cause it to grow into a mighty harvest. I remember there was one time when Jesus told his disciples very directly, look, for the field is ripe for harvest. So the question is, which son are you going to be? Father God, We thank you for second chances and for third chances and for fourth. Father, may we never take your grace lightly. May we be about your kingdom. May we commit ourselves to follow you. In these next few moments, Lord, move among us. Hear our prayers. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.